0: don't go to the movies to do historical research, unless it's historical research about the movies. Tony Kushner Welcome to the Revisionist History Podcast, where we set the historical record straight, no matter who it might offend. I'm Paul, and recently I did a few episodes on historical films that everyone should see. One on war films, and one on westerns. Both of those proved to be pretty popular, and so for this Saturday, I wanted to give you some that are among the best historical films ever made, and all from the 1960s. And for many, these will be new because even though I don't think of the 60s as being that long ago, for many, six decades ago, might as well be the Dark Ages. In any case, here are ten films, one from each year of the decade, plus five more because I can never stop at ten, that, while not always 100% historically accurate, are pretty close much of the time, and they're great entertainment as well. 1960, Spartacus. The very best of the sword and sandal epics of the 1950s and 1960s, really equaled in recent decades only by Ridley Scott's Gladiator, which was not really at all historically accurate. Kirk Douglas shines as the slave turned gladiator who led the most famous revolt in the history of Rome, and Peter Ustinov and Charles Lawton are particularly good in supporting roles. Also from 1960, The Magnificent Seven. I was going to stick with just Spartacus for 1960, but the ghost of the coolest man to ever walk the planet wouldn't allow me to. How much I love Steve McQueen is well documented on other episodes of this podcast, and he'll show up again in this list. The King of Cool is not the only reason that this Western is legendary, though. Yul Brynner was pretty cool in the lead role as well. And I liked that the filmmakers stated in the opening credits that it was based on Akira Kurosawa's legendary 1954 film, Seven Samurai. 1961, The Guns of Navarone. Films about the most devastating war in human history started showing up roughly 20 years after the war. And this one kicked off a plethora of great ones in the 1960s. Starring Gregory Peck, Anthony Quinn, David Niven, Stanley Baker and Anthony Quayle this tale of a commando unit tasked with destroying a seemingly indestructible Nazi fortress is simply cracking good. 1962 Lawrence of Arabia Everyone's heard of it but have you ever seen it? This World War I epic from David Lean is considered by many the greatest film ever made and if you judge it simply by the cinematography it's hard to dispute that. Peter O'Toole is outstanding as British officer T.E. Lawrence and the story of his attempts to help the myriad Arab tribes of the Middle East forge a nation of their own is, with a few exceptions, pretty true to history. 1963, The Longest Day. Fifty years later, this remains one of the great films about World War II ever made. The first twenty minutes of Saving Private Ryan are more accurate and more graphically jarring historically. But this first post-war film about the D-Day landings more than makes up for it with the all-star cast that includes Henry Fonda, Robert Mitchum, John Wayne, Richard Burton, Sean Connery, Rod Steiger, Kurt Jurgens, and Werner Hintz. It's a three-hour film that just doesn't feel anywhere near that long. Also from 1963, The Great Escape. Based loosely on an actual event, this is one of my favorite World War II movies, with the type of all-star cast that World War II films always tend to feature. James Garner, James Coburn, Richard Attenborough, Charles Bronson, and of course, Steve McQueen, just to mention a few. It's not a war film in the classic sense because there are no major battle scenes at any point but it's compelling throughout, nonetheless. 1964 Cleopatra Elizabeth Taylor shines in this epic about the most famous queen in history. She wasn't even nominated for an Oscar for this role, yet another example of the Academy being idiots. And the film is probably best remembered today as the start of a decades-long relationship, both professional and personal, between Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton who played Mark Antony in the film. Rex Harrison did win Best Actor for his portrayal of Julius Caesar, and it's not anywhere near the most historically accurate film, but it really is beautifully shot. Also in 1964, Zulu. Hands down, one of the best war films ever made about an event almost no one remembers, The Defense of Rourke's Drift in the 1879 Anglo-Zulu War in South Africa. During this battle, a British force of around 150 withstood a two-day assault by a Zulu force of nearly 4,000 warriors. Stanley Baker and Michael Caine are simply brilliant, as Lieutenants John Chard and Gonville Bromhead, respectively. Unlike many films of the time, and since, about European or American forces fighting indigenous tribes, It doesn't portray the Zulus as mindless savages, but as noble warriors fighting for their homeland. There's also no silly jingoistic for king and country flag waving on the part of the British troops. They're simply trying to survive. In the end, there's a mutual respect between the two sides, which was a daring message to send in 1964. We've got one last one from 1964, which was a good year. Beckett. Now I actually re-watched this one the same night as A Man For All Seasons because it was suggested by Amazon. It had been probably 20 years since I last saw this film about the epic struggle between King Henry II of England and his one-time friend, Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Beckett, Crown versus Church being a common thread throughout large parts of English history. Richard Burton played Beckett and Peter O'Toole played Henry, and both received Best Actor nominations. Ultimately, somehow, losing to Rex Harrison for his role in My Fair Lady. Both give amazing performances, but for me, it's O'Toole who really stands out. He should have won the Oscar. 1965, Dr. Zhivago. Another David Lean epic, this time about the Russian Revolution, that made Omar Sharif a star. But interestingly, he almost didn't even get the part. Lean's first choice for the lead of Yuri Zhivago was Peter O'Toole, whom he had worked with on Lawrence of Arabia. However, O'Toole found the filming of Lawrence of Arabia so grueling that he turned down the part. Like all of Lean's films, the cinematography is breathtaking. The history is pretty accurate. And as good as Sharif is, it's really Julie Christie as Lara that you'll remember. 1966, A Man for All Seasons This is the film that triggered this article, so you can blame Paul Schofield, not me. The story of Sir Thomas More's conscientious stand against Henry VIII is worth watching for Schofield's performance alone. He won a Tony Award for his portrayal of the role on stage and an Oscar for the film. But Orson Welles, Robert Shaw, Susanna York, and a very young John Hurt all give stellar performances as well. It's a period, or a section of a period, in English history that we don't really pay much attention to. We pay attention to Anne Boleyn and All the Wives, but this was a key moment as well. 1966, The Sand Pebbles. Did I just sneak in another Steve McQueen film? I did. And the only reason I'm not bitter about him not winning the Best Actor Oscar for his role as Machinist Make First Class Jake Holman is that Paul Schofield clearly deserved it more for A Man For All Seasons. The real history covered in this film about a U.S. Navy gunboat patrolling China's Yangtze River in the 1920s may surprise viewers who didn't know we were involved in China long before the present day. 1967, Bonnie and Clyde. This was proof that the great gangster films aren't all about the mafia and aren't all made by Martin Scorsese. Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway each received Oscar nominations for their portrayal of the title characters Clyde Barrow and Bonnie Parker. Their crime spree across Texas and the Midwest from 1932 to 1934 is the stuff of legend, and the film captures it in a more gritty and graphic manner than seen on film before. Some consider this one the start of the new Hollywood era, and the ending's not one you're likely to forget. 1968. Once Upon a Time in the West. Considered by many the greatest Western film of all time, though I personally prefer Clint Eastwood's Man With No Name trilogy. Like that Eastwood trilogy, the Spaghetti Western was directed by Sergio Leone and scored by Ennio Morricone. Henry Fonda, Jason Robards, and Charles Bronson all give fine performances, but it's Fonda's turn as a villain, completely against his usual good guy parts, that stands out to this day. Finally, from 1969, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. My love for this part-buddy film, part-comedy, and all-Western is also well-known. The chemistry between Paul Newman and Robert Redford alone makes this one of the greatest films ever. It's also got some of the best dialogue heard on screen. Like, I've Got Vision and the rest of the world wears bifocals. You just keep thinking, Butch, it's what you're good at. And my all-time favorite, You think you used enough dynamite there, Butch? The cinematography is breathtaking, and the final scene is one of the most iconic in movie history. So that's 15 historical films from the 1960s that everyone needs to see. Maybe you haven't seen them in a while. Maybe you've never seen them before. But they're worth both a rewatch or a first-time watch. And be sure to tell your kids about it. They'll be glad you did. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. I have to add a quick postscript correction to two of the films that we just talked about. I incorrectly identified the dates for The Longest Day and Cleopatra. The Longest Day was released in 1962. Cleopatra was released in 1963. I apologize for the error. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you found it both informative and entertaining. If you'd like to help us keep episodes like this coming please consider clicking on the support this podcast link in the show notes. It'll go a long way towards helping us create more episodes and hopefully becoming completely ad free. Thanks a lot.